0: If they haven't raised private money before, they have a mental block somewhere. That mental block might be, I don't have any experience, or I have a bankruptcy. Who's going to want to loan me money?
1: Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And If you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com and there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Mitch, Stephen, how you doing, Mitch?
0: Doing great, Joe. How are you?
1: I am doing great as well, and welcome back to the show. If you recognize Mitch's name, well, that's probably because you're a loyal, best ever listener, and very loyal listener because he and I spoke way back in episode 95, and we're on episode 1600 right now. So, long, long time ago, three, four, I don't know, five years ago. And today we're going to be talking about how to successfully raise private money. A little bit about Mitch. He is a self-employed real estate investor. He's been one for 20-plus years. He's bought and sold over 1,500 properties, owns over 1,100 storage stores in 16 locations. And I've personally read his book, My Life in a Thousand Houses, and highly recommend it. Very entertaining book. I read it when I was getting started in real estate. And it opened up my eyes to a lot of things. So highly recommend this book. Go get that on Amazon. So with that being said, Mitch, do you want to give the best ever listeners a refresher on your background and what your current focus is?
0: Well, for 22 years, I've been borrowing other people's money and then selling my houses with seller financing. In other words, taking a down payment and agreeing to take 30 years worth of payments. And it's a way of creating some money today so that I can live because I get to keep that down payment money. I usually charge about 10%. My average down payment is 12%. My average down payment is around $12,000. So if you do two of those a month or three of those a month, you don't have any problem living. And then my average cash flow spread between what I owe my private lenders and what I collect is around $535. Let's just call it 500 for easy math. So I collect ten or $12,000 down on most of my houses and then these people in most of my houses owe me 360 months of positive cash flow of $500 which is $180,000 that they still owe me out in the future. And I do that kind of deal about every four days.
1: Well, that's a lot of volume and that's a lot of money coming in. And I imagine it's a lot of logistics too. So how do you handle that logistically?
0: Well, first you have to learn how to be a business owner and not an entrepreneur <laughs> with, yep. with a glorified job, you know, which took a while. I had to go to a mastermind and pay my 20000 which ends up being 30000 by the time the plane tickets and the rooms and everything. And you got to let these people, they're already at where you want to be. And you got to let them unwind you. And you got to let them wind you back up a different way. And you got to be willing to let that happen. And even more than just willing, you got to really help them help that happen. So today I can say that I've not seen the last 300 houses I bought. I've not seen the last 300 people that bought my houses. But to do that, really, I had to learn a lot of new skills. I had to learn how to hire the right people. I had to learn how to hire people and give compensation plans in such a manner that I was not on a hamster wheel. I only have two people in my entire organization that get a regular paycheck. Everybody else gets paid upon success. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. I have about seven people that make this particular planet spin around. Yep. And they've been with me for a long time, most of them.
1: Mm -hmm. So let's talk about those seven people. What are their roles?
0: Well, one of them is my business partner. So we have uniquely different talents. I'm responsible for funding everything and the infrastructure. I have the office and the administrators and the computers and the softwares and the tracking and all that the contract generating stuff. So my partner goes out and he sets up a sales team and an acquisition team and manages that without having to worry about funding, which yep. is a huge part of the program. Yep. So he watches over two acquisition managers and two salespeople. And I watch over the office and the private lenders. I have $14 million in private lenders.
1: Mm-hmm. So you watch over the office and the private lenders. He So your money, he's execution basically.
0: Yeah. And I'm also the senior. He's 32. I'm 58. So I'm the one that keeps us out of trouble because I know where all the trouble spots are in my career. I know what <laughs> happens in certain situations. So I'm kind of like the advisor to make sure we don't get into trouble with anything. Yep. Shannon is my daughter. She's a central administrator. She's the only person with a real paycheck. Although her paycheck is really pretty small for what she does because we like to tie everybody to the success of the company. So Instead of giving her a large paycheck like she deserves, we give her a small paycheck, and then she participates in every deal in and out so that the carrots are in the right place for everybody every morning when they get up. She has a personal assistant to help her, and those are the only two people in my office that get a paycheck. I don't get a paycheck. Mike doesn't get a paycheck. We all get paid when the deals hit the table, and Mike and I only take $1,250 a piece every time a deal sells. So, if we get 12000 down, I get 1250 and he is 1250 that's 2500 the rest stays in the company and it's rolling
1: the trouble spots that you can look for and kind of see ahead that you've seen in your 20 plus years of being in the business what are some examples of those
0: oh there's (laughs) too many to even get into
1: or maybe some specific ones that you've come across recently that you navigated through
0: mistakes anymore, but that's probably because of the experience. But a lot of it was putting the wrong people in the house, not handling evictions or foreclosures the right way, not getting paperwork just right. And now we do. Sometimes you can get running so fast that you start to get sloppy. And that's a really big no-no because you start getting sloppy and sooner or later it's going to jump up and bite you. And it might be years down the road. Also, we had some troubles hiring people until we finally started testing people or doing personality tests and the people that the personality test told me to hire, I wouldn't pick in a million years. And those are the ones that are still working for me. The ones I picked are long gone.
1: So <laughs> what personality tests do you use?
0: I think we're using disc right now, but sometimes you can ask me these questions and I don't know because yeah. I'm not, I knew the day we made the decision or I told someone to make a decision. I just don't remember what it is.
1: Yeah, I get that. Well, let's talk about the $14 million with the private lenders that you have. How many private lenders comprise of that fourteen million dollars
0: Not a whole lot, probably twenty twenty five i don't commingle funds. Every deal is a one off deal. If someone has five hundred thousand, they want to get out they don't send me five hundred thousand or it's not I send them a house here's a house I need sixty thousand on here's a house I need a hundred thousand on here's a house I need forty thousand it's one lender, one borrower, one piece of collateral and every deal stands on its own. You either get paid or you get the house. Now, that being said, I've never given a house to anybody, and I think I'm approaching about 2,000 houses in my career now, or 2,000 transactions, but I've never given a house back. I've never filed for bankruptcy. I've never been foreclosed on, and I've never, by the grace of God, I've always kept big enough margins and policed myself good enough that, even in the worst of times, I've never had to give anything back. I will not let my private lenders in over 65% of what I can sell that house for. Okay. And I average 58%. So these are huge margins. A lot of people, even a lot of the gurus out there, have gone bankrupt. And it all ended up when they over leveraged. They were borrowing 85 90%. They were cashing out on houses. And then when the economy rolled over and went upside down, They were upside down, and they couldn't sustain it. And, of course, the money is long gone. We got spent on boats. And the only way it makes any sense at all if you're overleveraging is if you take everything you cash out with and go buy an asset with it that makes money. That's the only way it would ever make sense, and I don't even like that, but it's the only way you could possibly survive through a down cycle if you're over-leveraging. I don't think 65% on a property is over-leveraging. I think it's very conservative. I average 58% leverage, so that means the house is worth 100000 for easy math. I average borrowing 58000 I give my private lender a first lien position. I send monthly payments, interest only, five years, non-recourse, Collateral only loan, payable monthly.
1: At what rate?
0: Six to eight percent. And the difference is if I only borrow fifty percent or less, it's six percent, because there's no risk in this deal. Sometimes I borrow forty percent. Sometimes I buy houses at extraordinary prices. And when you loan forty thousand dollars on a hundred thousand dollar house, a rate of return is Relevant to risk and reward, right? Well, there's hardly any risk in that kind of deal where a house is worth 100 in your loan and 40 in the first lien position. So those pay 6%, but the majority of my properties I'm borrowing between 50 and 65%, and those pay 8%. And I could probably get or fight for a little lesser interest rate, and my lender could fight for a little more interest rate, but at the end of the day, 8% seems to be really decent for everybody. It's not the best for me, but it's not the worst, and it's not the best for them. It's not the worst. I guess what I'm saying is if either one of us got a better deal, one of us would be shopping all the time. At 8%, you just don't want to shop. He don't want to shop. I don't want to shop. It's good enough.
1: And the 20 to 25 people who are investing with you, how would you come across them?
0: Well, you know, it's been 22 years. Mostly what happens is, is they start off very small, just putting their little finger in with a 25000 30000 $50,000 loan. And then what really makes a difference is that you make sure that you give them fantastic paperwork. You make sure that it gets filed at the courthouse in a timely fashion. Show them where it's time, date, stamped so it was actually filed at the courthouse and where there's a notarized county clerk's signature. And then you pay on time, every time, always, forever. And eventually they bring you more and more and more and more. And then a lot of the people that I have, I've had for going on two decades now. A lot of them don't need the money, so they just let it roll, and they keep putting it back in. And then when they run out of money, they're not opposed at all to recommending me anyone they think that might need that kind of 8% return. And they recommend me wholeheartedly, and it's always easier to talk to people when you get a firsthand recommendation from one of your existing clients. And that's how it's pretty much done. I have raised a lot of money, though, from strangers that I never knew before I got introduced to them through some way. And then over a period of time, we might start talking about my business. And then when they start talking about my business, it's funny how it always kind of works around to what I'm paying my investors and how I'm paying them and why I'm paying them and why they loan me money.
1: So for someone who has a track record and is looking to evolve their business to bring on more private money lenders, what are some tips that you have for them?
0: Well, it can work for new people, too, because when I'm coaching somebody on how to find the money, first thing is I have to figure out is where's their mental block, because almost everyone has one when it comes to this subject. If they haven't raised private money before, they have a mental block somewhere. That mental block might be, I don't have any experience, or I have a bankruptcy. Who's going to want to loan me money? Or I don't have good credit. Who's going to want to loan me money? I don't have any experience. Who's going to want to loan me money? I'm not a very good salesman. How am I going to talk people into loaning me money? I don't know people with money. They have all these obstacles. In fact, my partner, when I met him, he was 25, and today he's 32. But around 26, he started getting private money, but he was getting it from his family or his close relatives. And as soon as that dried up, he stopped being able to get money, or he stopped getting money. He didn't stop being able to, but he stopped getting it. And I was asking him, what's going on here? What's holding you back? Something's holding you back. And I was trying to get to find out what his mental block was. And I told him to go back and think about it and tell me, what's holding you back? I got to know. And he came back. And surprisingly enough, it was one I hadn't heard. He said, I'm 26 years old. I'm talking to these people that are seniors in their 60s and 70s. And they have this money. And why in the hell would they loan a 24-year-old their money? He said, I don't even own my own home that I live in. I live in an apartment. Why is someone going to loan me money? Mm-hmm. And that's when I gave him the answer that solves everybody's answer. It's not about you. It had nothing to do with you. Charles Manson should have been able to get these loans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who cares if he killed a bunch of people? It doesn't matter. The lender wants to know if it doesn't go the way we do on writing, what happens? Well, you get that house. That right. one right there? Yeah, that one that's worth $100,000. And you want to borrow how much? I want to borrow $58,000. And you are going to give me a first lien. Yes, sir, I am if you don't pay me, I'm going to get that house? Yeah. What's the chances you won't pay me? I said, not very good. So if you're thinking you're going to get that house, I wouldn't count on it. But if you do, can you live with it? And he goes, hell yeah, I can live with it. I'd rather you not pay me. I said, I know that, but it's not going to happen. Yeah, I'll do the loan. If someone asks my credit, said you can look at my credit if you want to. You can look at my financials if you want to, but it's neither here nor there. You're either going to get paid or you're going to get that house. As a matter of fact, I relieve myself from a bunch of emotional stress by making sure that I look my lenders right in the eye and tell them this before they loan me money is I got two rights every day of my life when you make this loan the two rights I have between you and me is one is I can pay you as agreed Two, I can walk this deed to this house over to your house any day of the week and that's one of my viable options that we're agreeing on and I can hold my chin high either one of those options I want to do so how I got to that conclusion was I was so conscious of my good name and my good reputation that I never wanted to tarnish it. But if you sign a personal guarantee, you're signing for all the things that could happen in the world. You're signing for raging fires in California and earthquakes in California and landslides in Colorado and drought and lead and water. And if North Korea detonates a dirty bomb in downtown San Antonio and pollutes every house for a 10 mile radius. You're signing for all that, and that's not my fault, and I don't have any control over that. So if you're going to make 8% with me, you've got to share in part of that risk. And that risk is I have the right to hand you that house any day of the week. Like I said, it's never happened, not in almost 2,000 houses, but I don't want to ruin everything I've ever done for my entire life. All the other assets I have that have nothing to do with this, are all at risk if there's some kind of act of terrorism or something, and I'm just not willing to risk my life's work over something that I could never control. So that's how I got through that, and that's why they're non-recourse. That's why I have huge margins, because I ask for non-recourse, and if you're going to ask me for a non-recourse loan or a a collateral-only loan, there has to be a really decent margin to
1: protect me. Yep, that all makes sense. Very logical. When we take a step back, you've been in the industry for 20 plus years. What is your best real estate investing advice ever for the listeners?
0: You make your money when you buy. The deal's pretty much decided up front 95% of the time. It's all right there. So make sure you've done your homework before you get in and make sure you can live with the worst case scenario, whatever that may be. And don't get in over your head on things. If something's going to go bad and it's going to crush you, then take on a partner Make sure that you can carry your weight if things don't go right. And I guess it's a form of saying, like, don't sign up and borrow a million dollars to close something 30 days if losing a million dollars is going to kill you.
1: You know what right. I mean? Yep. Very good advice. That's for sure. Uh, it's-
0: I do deals today that I wouldn't have done before, but what's the most I can lose? Well, you could lose 250,000 bucks. All right. Well, I don't think I'm going to, but if that's as bad as it is, that ain't going to kill me. That ain't even going to slow me down. But 10 years ago or 15 years ago, I would have done that deal to save my life because I wasn't big enough to handle it.
1: We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? All right. All right. Let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to One, learn more about the causes that we're profiling. We do one a month. Then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com. And there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. All right, Mitch, what's the best ever book you've read?
0: Nothing Down by Robert Allen.
1: Best ever deal you've done? I
0: flipped a car lot once.
1: Why is it the best ever?
0: It made
1: $340,000. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction that you can think of?
0: I loaned a million dollars on some raw land right before the crash in a gated community where they had high restrictions and no one walked on those 15 lots for two and a half years and I had to make an $8,000 payment per month. And then I finally sold the first lot after two and a half years of making an $8,000 a month payment. By the way, it was all private money. And my lenders never knew that I had a hard time, but I was stroking a check for $8,000 every month and not even getting a penny from it. And not to mention the taxes and the insurance were due every year too. And then in two and a half years, the first lot sold. And by the end of four years, I had sold all of the 15 lots. That was my worst deal ever. And the lesson was, don't get out of your lane. That wasn't what I do for a living. I didn't loan money on raw land for a living. I loaned money on houses. And I bought houses and borrowed money on houses. Those things were in had the potential to produce an income. Raw land in a gated community with high restrictions has zero chance of making any money.
1: Best ever way you like to give back.
0: I like to help people learn about money and their finances in real estate and be able to quit their job. You know, there's a guy on TV that does the primal screen when people get debt free. We ring a bell really loud when people quit their job walk in and tell their boss that they no longer need their boss's services. (laughs) I get a kick out of that. I don't know why. I just do.
1: (laughs) How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you got going on?
0: Go to 1000houses.com. That's 1000houses.com. Click on the free stuff tab right there. People chastise me all the time for giving away hour and 45 minute webinars on how I do owner financing or give away the first hundred pages of my book or give away two hours and 45 minutes of recorded coaching calls. So you can see what it's like with all these different people asking all these different real life questions. So that's the easiest way. 1000houses.com.
1: Well, Mitch enjoyed our conversation as always. And thank you so much being on the show talking about your business model, but then how you implement that business model through the right people, their roles and how you structure your agreements with your private investors get paid or get the house at 65% loan to value at most with an average of less than that. And just your overall approach, you've got more than two decades in the business. So it's important to listen to someone who has that experience and hear what they've learned. And I appreciate you sharing that with us. So hope you have a best ever day. Really enjoyed our conversation. And we'll talk to you again soon.
0: It has been a best ever day, man. Thank you very much.